Hello, my name's Frank and I'm the host of the UFO Thinker podcast. I'd always been mildly interested in UFOs, but like many people, the events of 2017 ignited a fire of curiosity for the UFO topic, which has been raging ever since. I wanted to start a podcast, but initially thought, well, I'm not an astrophysicist, I'm not a fighter pilot, and I've never even seen a UFO. I'm just a normal guy who's interested in this mystery. But that's when a light bulb went off. There are so many other people just like me who are fascinated with this stuff. So why not start a podcast to talk about it from the ordinary guy's perspective? All the BS stripped away, as a few people have said. And let's see if we can get to the truth in all of this. Thanks to everyone who's been on board with the journey so far. It's been amazing to see so many listeners tuning in. And if you're new here, welcome. You can now support the podcast on Patreon with tiers starting from £3 per month. The podcast will always be 100% free, but supporting the show in this way allows me to devote more time and make the show bigger and better. Higher tiers also include special benefits such as being able to suggest episode topics and get merchandise. And I really truly appreciate every listener whether you support on Patreon or not. So now with all of that said, let's get into today's episode. Okay, cool. So it's my pleasure to welcome to the show today, Vinny Adams. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, Frank. Thank you for inviting me. No problem. So I know you as the founder of Disclosure Team, member of UAP Media UK, and a a bit of a regular on UFO Twitter. Uh, I've seen quite a few of your interviews and your podcasts and things, but I don't don't think I've actually heard your sort of origin story. So I don't know if you can go into that a little bit, explain a bit of your background and how you ended up involved in the UFO topic. Yeah, no problem. Um, I suppose I was like any regular kid. I grew up in the 80s and I was just mad on sci-fi and things like that. And that naturally progressed through to my uh, adult years and I guess about probably about 10, 12 years ago, I was sort of watching a lot of UFO documentaries and and I always came away wanting more, wanting more answers, wanting more information and data. And so it led me to kind of start researching quite casually at first, but certainly scouring through documents and stuff that were available um, towards the end of the 2010s. No, where, where am I? No, let me get that right. About 2008, 9, 10, the National Archives were releasing a lot of documents so that was always gives gave me plenty to look through and and work off of Um, and that just then progressed for many years it got heavier and heavier the research and then obviously with the pandemic I was like I want an outlet for all this this stuff so I started a disclosure team on Instagram Um, but it's funny because it was actually called disclosure 2020 Uh, I didn't expect it to go on long and then it you know 2021 came along i changed it to the disclosure 2021 and then very soon i realized yeah i'm going to be in this for the long game so disclosure team in its how it is now was born and so yeah my primary outlet's been instagram for so much time but then i started getting friendly with a lot of people in the community and i'll give a shout out here to james ian doley from engaging the phenomenon because he just kept saying you should start a youtube channel and i was just like "Ah, i'm not very good in front of the camera and uh, I didn't, you know, didn't think it, it, I would add anything to the conversation. But after a while, I thought, you know, I'll give it a go. 
and then yeah here i am like i now you know my instagram's still doing well my youtube's i'm I'm enjoying it i love it i've been lucky enough to speak to some really interesting and important figures in the the world of ufos so yeah onwards and upwards and then obviously towards the end of 2021 i was invited to become a member of uap media uk and i mean that's an honor absolute honor with those guys um and we've become very, very good friends. And so, yeah, 2022, um, I'm excited for what it's going to bring. Yeah, definitely, man. I think there's a there's a whole new wave, really, in, inspired by the a bit of extra free time that a lot of people had during the, the lockdown, isn't there? You know, of, uh, yeah. like all the podcasts that sprung up and all the rest of it. It's, it's, it's quite intriguing, really, the actual knock-on effect that that must have had on this this topic. You know what I mean? All of that time people had all of a sudden to, to plough into, you know, the passion sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, just another shout-out for James because uh, he's an absolute gentleman and he was one of the, the first guests I had on, actually, on my show. So, uh, nice. Yeah, there's there's plenty of uh, good characters there that we have as you know mutual friends. Indeed. So, have you ever yourself had like an experience or a sighting? I haven't. No, I mean, there's been times in in the past twenty years where I've been looking at the night sky and I've seen something that initially seems anomalous. But you know, with a, a good app, you can tell whether it's a, a celestial body or a star, a satellite, the ISS, and every single time it has been something completely prosaic. And so I'm still at that point now where I've not seen anything. Um, so yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. Well, that, that's good to know. It's not just me then because uh, <laughs> I've, I've never, never, never seen a, an actual UFO much as I would like to, but yeah. do you, do you sort of have like a, a, a regime of like, you know, sky watching at certain times or anything specifically to try to see one or anything like that? I don't, unfortunately. No. I mean, I'd love to be able to set aside an evening or a night but i mean i'm sure you know in england we don't get the clearest of skies at night time it's you know i'm in on the edge of the city in sheffield the light pollution is unreal you just cannot hardly ever see anything and so no i just find myself looking up an awful lot any chance i get when you know when it's dark you just never know do you but yeah there are obviously better places for it and i'm not in one of them <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm exactly the same. I tried to do a little um, C5 experiment over the course of tail end of last year. Um, right. Not nothing like really intense or anything, but just, you know, spending the time to allocate a little bit of time each evening. But unfortunately, nice. like you say, probably eight out of 10 days, it's, it's just completely overcast with clouds or pouring with rain. And it was a bit <laughs> yeah. tough to do. I think, you know, if you're in California or something, it might be a bit different because it's Absolutely. Clear, yeah. clear, clear skies every night, isn't it? But... Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a tough one in the UK. So I also want to ask you about this upcoming trip to Colombia. Um, I heard how the signal Dan got involved, um, but how did you come to be uh, a part of this this expedition to Colombia to to make this documentary? Uh, great question, actually, and uh, this was something that was kept quiet for a very long time. So my good friend Ashley Cowie. Um, he runs UAP Columbia, um, a big page on Instagram. And we were in contact probably about a year ago now. He contacted me and said, you know, well, we just followed each other and we were just chatting about UFOs and stuff. I didn't know at this time it was Ashley because Ashley's done many TV shows and series. He's been on Ancient Aliens and he's known for being in sort of an explorer, author, and things like that. Um, and then probably halfway through last year, 
we had a we, we did a bit of a collaboration with some stories out of Colombia. He published them on his website. I published them on my Instagram as like a collaboration thing. And that's when I actually got to know Ashley as as who he is. And he always said that there was this mysterious phenomenon that they have there. Um the dancing lights they're called on the edge of the Andes, sort of like the Andean plateau. And it's a bit like the Hestelen lights in Norway, these mysterious lights that appear on the, this this particular point on, on this mountain. And he, you know, he's photographed them. He lives really near, near to it, but um, he always wanted to do an expedition or a, a bit of a, a a documentary, whether it be a series or just a, a single, you know, documentary. Um, and the idea was thrown around for months and months. And he, he always said like, I'd love you to be part of the team, you know, to have a, a UFO researcher from England come over and join a, 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 a team of international people with techie guys and skeptics. And so it was always talked about, but then I guess towards the end of, was it November? He was like, you know, this is happening. We're going to do it. Are you in? And I was just like, of course I'm in, you know, I always said I would be. So, you know, it's kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. I'd be mad to, to not do it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So when is it you're going to be uh, flying over there then? I fly in uh, two weeks tomorrow, the 7th of February. Oh, amazing. Are you going to be doing some streams on your, your Instagram and things like that while you're out there? I am indeed, yeah. We're going to do some behind-the-scenes live streams with me and Dan and probably some of the other members that I get to meet when we're out there. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Have you ever been out there before? No, never been to South America. I mean, it's obviously a beautiful country, but it's never been on my list of, you know, I think I might go there one day. You know, I'm a, I'm a father. Uh, it's not kind of a family kind of holiday destination. So. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so so what's, what's the actual uh, the phenomenon that's, that's being observed there? Then? It's like lights dancing on the top of a mountain. I, I heard um, – Ashley is, isn't it? I heard yeah. him on uh, Andy's show, and he was mentioning a few a few bits about lights that appeared to be almost like a, a human type figure or some kind of humanoid form and things like that. What what's the uh, the, the story there then? Well, it's something that's been seen and talked about through the indigenous people out there for for generations, um, and I just think it warrants. And well, I think Ashley thought that it warranted a proper investigation with you know scientific equipment and that and. And so, you know, it'd be great to, you know, a lot of the indigenous people, they say it's UFOs or angels and demons and, you know, but there could well be, and I think there's a high chance that it could have a prosaic natural, um, you know, it could be something natural. So, you know, I'm just going out there to, to do an investigation and if we get an answer, we can put it to one side. I'd love it to be UFOs or something like based around the phenomenon, but you know we'll see i guess yeah it's that i suppose there's always that possibility of some kind of plasma type thing that's something that yeah. gets mentioned a bit you know the the condine report you know talks about this this plasma type thing and all the rest of indeed, it indeed yeah I, I don't know if it's any less fascinating if it is plasma you know what i mean because it's still pretty interesting <laughs> yeah. stuff isn't it like whatever oh, it is 100 percent. yeah that's the thing i'm just glad to be going somewhere to do an investigation into something that's that's mysterious you know um so yeah yeah one of the things i really like about the approach of of uh, that documentary the way it's all being put together is the the like you said he's, he's getting actual people with a science background people that are kind of members of the public you know skeptics even and that's the way to get that balanced approach isn't it 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, because we don't want to create an echo chamber of people who are all looking at it from the same perspective and all want it to just be UFOs. You know, we've got to have a good balance from from all angles. And, you know, each day we're going to do different kind of experiments and, and, and things like that. And then at the end of the day, we'll sit around a table together and talk about it and discuss what we think from, from the day's work and stuff. So it's going to bring some interesting conversations and probably some interesting disagreements respectfully yeah that's the key isn't it if it's going to be constructive if you actually want to get to the bottom of it you have to have those discussions don't you at the end of the day yeah it's quite necessary quite literally at the end of the day in this case but uh it's a vindiana jones i could resist resist getting that one in there i might have to steal that (laughs) (laughs) hashtag or something (laughs) but yeah another uh, thing i was going to ask you about is the uh, little uh, trip that you guys did with the uh, UAP uh, Media UK crew down to London was it to see uh, Lou Elizondo? It was, yeah. So, um, what was it like meeting Lou Elizondo? I mean, it, it was obviously. I think most people would say it's, it's an incredible opportunity to be able to meet meet him. Um, the, the whole three days in themselves were they just came together really well because it was the first time I'd got to meet any of the guys at UAP media UK. We had a really nice house in London for three days. So we, you know, it was just amazing conversations with some very, very knowledgeable chaps, you know? Um, so that in itself was fantastic. Um, but the, you know, just to tie it all off by me and Lou was just phenomenal. Yeah. We had, you know, sat there for two hours, had some just amazing conversations. It was, it was, yeah, definitely something to remember. Yeah, definitely. But I've, I've been dying to ask one of you guys for ages, did Lou share anything with you that day? Even if you can't sort of like go into what exactly what it was, was there any sort of really interesting new things that you learned? Uh, no, I wouldn't say there was anything new. Um, there was some, there was all sorts of things said and ideas put forward and possibilities and that it was just a really nice discussion you know it was it's, it kind of wasn't the place to really push Lou for you know hey now that we are not not on camera or on a podcast can you tell us anything it wasn't that kind of conversation really I, w- I wish it was but then you know like you said if he did say something I wouldn't be able to tell anyone so. <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah well I'll, I'll, I'll take that as a yes he told you all kinds of juicy stuff <laughs> but you also went to the um the the national archives as well uh, is yeah that, is that, was that on the same trip I can't forget now I saw it, it on, on social media was there any yeah. significant information that you retrieved while you were there good question yeah there was um it was myself and Graham Rundell and Dave Partridge. We split away for for a morning just to go there. Uh, Graham was, you know, looking at his uh, World War Two Foo Fighter stuff. Um, even after you know his book had still come out, he's still looking into that that side of the topic. Um, I can't remember what Dave was looking at, but I really wanted to look at sort of UFO policies from the UK standpoint through the nineties um, and into the early two thousands, just because. You know, we've had them talking in the last year about they're just not interested in the subjects. Well, you know, I know that they were interested in the past. So I wanted to kind of get an idea that I could sort of hypothesize if they were still looking at it, which I believe they are, how would they be looking at it compared to how they used to? So I did a deep dive into some documents, found some incredible information, also came across some cases that I'd not heard about in the UK, like multiple witness school children cases, in fact, Um which was incredible. I'd, uh, you know, I keep thinking I need to write something up about it, but it's, 
it's on my list of a million things to do, to be honest. Um, I guess another a good thing I found was information regarding RAF Filingdales, which is the big, I guess it's a radar station, um, and how, you know, there's a lot of talk about tracking UAP these days as well, and that kind of really ties into stuff. So, yeah, it, again, it's something I really need to sort of sit down, go through and actually write up you know, an article or something. But yeah, cracking information. It's well worth a visit to anybody in the UK. If they're ever down in London, go to the National Archives. And yeah. So how how does that work? Is it basically just like a big library of archives and you can sort of like search keywords or something? No, what you do is you have to like apply in advance. So you can, and you kind of have to know what documents, what files you want by the file numbers. So you have to research online quite a lot before you go. So I found, you know, 12 documents. And I say documents, they're files, so they could be filled with, you know, some are really thin, some are really thick. Um, so, yeah, after you've done that, you have to kind of book it all online and book these documents so that when you turn up, you open this little cupboard with your number on and there's your big stack of, of documents. You go to a little private desk and, and spend as much time as you want on them. Right, so the the documents are like, um, the original documents, like paper documents, are there? Yeah. And yeah. can you take copies and things, or do you just have to make your own notes? No, you can take photographs of them. So I had my phone with me and literally photographed nearly every single one that I came across. So I've, I've got a big pho- photo folder still to really, you know, sort out. But yeah, it's great that they allow you to do that because um, a lot of their files are digitized and available through the website, through the National Archives online. And I highly recommend anybody going and just spending a few nights at home doing going through the the, uh, the documents and archives. It's incredible stuff. And you can find little tidbits of information that, you know, you can link to stuff that's happening and, you know, yeah, it's just knowledge, isn't it? It's just good to learn stuff and find new things. Yeah, definitely. The, the more the merrier, isn't it, with uh, information on those kind of things. But yeah. in the actual archives, are there some things that are not digitized that you can only find by actually going there? Yeah, you know, so all the, ones, all the ones that I looked at, I wanted to see them because they're not available online. And it's like, well, this is my only opportunity at the moment to go and look at these files. Obviously, I can go down another time, but I don't get to go to London that often. So, yeah, seriously, wanted to make sure that I looked at stuff that was only available physically. Mm. And RAF um, Filingdales, is it? Is that what you say? Yeah. Is, so is that like a, a radar station, some kind of a sensor base or something like that? Yeah, I'm not all that clued up on what it actually does, but it, I think there's three of them around the world and it triangulates a, 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 the three of them together. You, you know, can see all the way around the globe for incoming objects from space and stuff like that. It's been a very important part of that that system for for decades now so if there's anybody anywhere that's seeing uap come into from into the atmosphere it's going to be filing dales and there were reports going through there of ufos sent to filing dales to see if they'd seen things and their name kept coming up in these documents so to me that just screams they're doing something there you know obviously that's speculative because i can't prove it but 
yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's something that's really intrigued me for ages now because I remember hearing about Jacques Vallée. I think one of the initial things that he ever got interested in the UFOs was he was working in some kind of um, observatory or something and they tracked these objects coming in from from space and coming into the atmosphere and then basically going back out again. And, and right. he, 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 he was like, yeah, I'm sure you'll know the story. He, he asked about it and he was told not to go ask any more questions and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that sort of triggered this whole thing. So I've been trying to figure out some ways to find out more actual data and if you can get any, I suppose a lot of it is going to be, you know, redacted or, you know, hidden away or something, isn't it? But that, yeah. that the uh, RAF Filingdales might be a place to, to do some more digging on that side of things, eh? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that's, you know, for someone to just dedicate themselves to looking at Filingdales, I think would be great. I mean, not to say you'd get any answers, but you could really build a really good picture of possibilities and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely worth looking at. So what what kind of things um, did you say that you got some actual files on um, on that place? Did, did you manage to get any, like, case reports or any actual numbers, like data stuff, or what kind of things was it? Yeah, the, the Filingdale's information, there was a couple of sheets, and it, it wasn't just like an in-depth analysis of anything, but there were like lists of dates, times, and the fact that they'd, um, peep, they'd been contacted because a lot of anom- anomalous objects were spotted in that kind of northern area of England. Um, I mean, the, the, the documents there that go to Filingdale say, can you, you know, have you seen any of these objects? Can you give us the data? But of course that's where the trail ends for the documents. You don't see the replies or anything like that, you know, but then there's many, many other documents and archives that possibly might have those, those trails. It's, it's a difficult one. It's, it, that's why you have to dig and dig and dig. Mm. I've been wondering recently if it's anything to do with, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with what John Ramirez has been talking about um, uh, recently since he's kind of popped up on the scene, um, but yeah. he's mentioned about orbs, you know, in, in the, um, the the Earth's atmosphere, quite high up there. Um, yeah. And do you think it could be something similar, you know, those kind of things Jack Valet saw and, and the sort of objects that come in from space? Do you think it could be the same kind of orbs? Have you got any thoughts on that? It could well be, but at the same time, it could be a multitude of things. You know, with the, for example, in the pedestrian emails, when there was conversations with Bob Fish talking about the DSP satellites tracking objects coming in and out and going into the water off the coast of Florida, you know, it doesn't really say what they were, but, you know, we know that there are multiple sort of tracking systems around the globe that keep capturing these UAP and, so, you know, it could be the same thing, but it could certainly be a multitude of different sizes and shapes and physical and non-physical objects. It's uh, fascinating. Yeah, it's a baffling mystery, isn't it? That's, the, I suppose, part of the appeal of the UFO topic, yeah. you know. <laughs> but the orbs thing is a relatively new one. I mean, I suppose, really, most U- UFO stuff is relatively new for me. I've only been really kind of digging into this for about a year now, you know. Yeah. Um, but but the orbs thing was not something I was even aware of at all. I mean, everybody's aware of like you know flying saucers and things like that. And I suppose Tic Tacs is probably a bit more, you know, of a, of a well known shape. Triangles are fairly well known, but orbs, especially the sort of orange orbs that people like John Ramirez talk about, which are mm. um, I forget the exact color band, but there's a specific frequency of orange that, that he says that these orbs are that have been picked up on um, satellite yeah. systems and things like that. And they don't seem to actually be physical objects from, from what he's talking about. 
And mm. then there was there was also the orbs in the um, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon book. I think the, there was one in there that went through somebody's arm and gave them some kind of really, you know, yeah. b- bad uh, disease, like some kind of form of cancer or something. And, uh, yeah, the orbs is, a, is an interesting one, isn't it? It is, it is. I'm quite new to that myself because I've always been very, very nuts and bolts, so physical craft, you know, your saucers, triangles, tic-tacs in the last few years certainly but yeah i think in the last i'll say the last six months i've i've sort of twisted my my way of looking at things a little bit and just started to open up to these newer aspects of the phenomena that i wasn't looking at so the orbs and the the more sort of high strangeness aspect of of the the phenomena so yeah i'm sure that it all ties in somewhere um but of course yeah i've got a lot more work to do and a lot more research to do with that area for sure yeah, definitely. I don't. I don't think anybody really has all the answers, you know, um, <laughs> on, on these things, do they? So, <laughs> uh, I think. I think. Uh, yeah, it's, it's keep digging and hope. Hope that we get at least some part of the answers, isn't it? You know, that would be nice. What do you think about all the various other different shapes of of UFO craft? Have you got any kind of conclusions or semi conclusions as to what different shapes could be? <sighs> It's funny because I always, you always, I always go back and forth, and I have done many times over the years. You think, well, certain races, let's say, could have a certain type of craft and that. But then, more and more, up until more recently, it kind of, I think it, it could well relate, you know, to the same thing. I, the, a conversation that sticks in my head was when Max Moskowitz spoke to Lou Elizondo, and Lou was sort of giving us this explanation how, you know, uh, you could have a single saucer then two together would form a a cigar shape and then you know another saucer would form a triangle shape could they all be related in that in that way that they can separate and then physically form and you know it's it's kind of going into the realms of physics that we just don't really know about because it doesn't exist for us here so so many theories have been thrown around over the years that now I just I don't like to pinpoint one more than the other because you've got to keep everything on the table until we have any kind of solid information or data to to say yeah well this one's more likely or that one's you know more likely it's 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 so hard (laughs) Mm. something I was thinking about I was talking about this on on my podcast I think the last episode that I did is you know if if we're talking about you know, there could be many different explanations for many different areas of, of what's being witnessed. But if we are actually talking about, uh, you know, a, a non-human intelligence from somewhere in the universe, whether it be another dimension here on Earth or some from way out there, yeah, you know, how how do we know that we could even understand it? You know what I mean? If they've if they've managed to evolve to a similar level to where we are now, a million years ago. It's just going to be completely out of our understanding, isn't it? Like, like you yeah. said, the, the technology could be just so far ahead that it's just literally just seems like magic. You know, are we ever going to get? Is it futile? You know, to actually try and get <laughs> to the bottom of this stuff? Yeah, there's, there's, you know, I've heard different people sort of break it down like that. You know, they say give a give a caveman an iPhone, will he will he create? A, you know, will he be able to recreate it? Well, probably not. It doesn't have the, the materials or, or the know how to to put it together so it kind of that that kind of could represent how we understand or don't understand the phenomena you know it could be like us walking around and over a colony of ants you know how aware of they how aware of us are they and 
what we do you know it's so far disconnected that it, it, again it could be like that for us and non-human intelligence i like to think that it's not because <laughs> i like to think we have a chance of understanding it one day but you know that's just me being positive <laughs> yeah well you know a bit of positivity doesn't go amiss <laughs> like there you go <laughs> I, I, i'd like to, to think that you know whatever it is you know if indeed is uh you know some kind of non-human intelligence that they they at least like some aspects of what we do as humans you know it's that's why i sort of struggle with the gifting concepts though is you know like the idea of like the crashes aren't really crashes it's it's really just to give us some of their technology yeah i think if they were actually that advanced i don't, I don't think we would even really well if the, if we have retrieved it we don't know what to do with it and the, the the reverse engineering efforts have been going on for all this time it doesn't really seem to click for me that concept of of, of gifting what do you think have you, have you got any thoughts on that side of things yeah i mean this is this is a, like again it's another thing where i go back and forth about whether it is plausible or not and again i have to leave everything on the table because even if it doesn't make sense to me i'm thinking of it from such a human way of understanding that it probably isn't you couldn't you shouldn't look at it like that because we don't know how these others think or if they even do think you know that the rabbit holes go so deep about who they are and how they work. And so if I think like you say, oh, it, it doesn't make sense or it and things, then I have to take a step back and go, hold on a minute. That's because it doesn't make sense to you. Mm. And it's not about me. It's about the bigger picture. So yeah, it's, it's so difficult. It really is. Yeah, no, it's, it's very true. And that that's part of the, the conundrum, isn't it really? How do you go about understanding something completely non-human as a human from a human's point of view it's yeah, just exactly. just so baffling man i was i was using that ants analogy the other day actually and i was thinking when i was a kid i used to poke ants nests i used to put like you know i sound like a really horrible kid but i'm sure all kids do it at some point you know occasionally you drop a boiled sweet or something into the ants nest and then all the ants would swarm on it and then they all get stuck in it and i was thinking wow i wonder if something like that's going on you know i kind of hope not sort of thing but anyway um <laughs> there's there's a lot of threads at the moment to follow in in the topic you know the the new office of uap in the united yeah. states and the Galileo project uapx the james webb telescope lose book you know, i could go on and on how do you see 2022 playing out? Yeah, I mean, certainly 2021 is a big year to follow with kind of the way things, I, you know, we're moving downfield, as it were. I think we're going to continue to see things moving forward in, in a positive way. I'm excited for, you know, when the James Webb's fully operational. Um, I'm excited for when the Galileo project start announcing announced that they're you know they're doing experiments they they've got set, a setup going I'm, I'm excited for that uapx have got data coming out i think in april yeah i'm excited to see what they've what they found so there's so many things from that a a aspect that i'm excited for but then this new office that's just been uh, written and signed into law by biden yeah you know i think i'd like i do like to focus on the government side of things and try and hold them accountable Will they do what they say they're going to do in the amendments? I don't know. It's really early days. Again, you know, we've got to kind of wait till the end of October for the next, um, I was going to say a report, but it may, may well be just another assessment. But yeah, I think all in all, all those things we just mentioned um, 
are good. But then we don't know. We have things coming out of left field, leaks, people coming forward, ex-military. So we could get something out of completely unexpected one day. And, and so that always, I like that idea because that's exciting. We could just see something drop online one day. And I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah, it makes it harder for doing update podcasts, though. That's the only problem. <laughs> there's, there's been a few times recently I've pre-recorded my uh, recent events episodes and thought, like, right, I'm well ahead of the game here. I've, I've got it in the bag. <laughs> and then something really exciting happens, which is like, oh, amazing, but also oh, I'm going to have to re-record the episode. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a mixed bag as a podcaster and, a, and a, also a UFO enthusiast, you know? Yeah, definitely. How, how do you think it's going to end up with this um, UAP office then? Because, I mean, there's, there's still a bit of internal wranglings going on, isn't there, with like what it's going to be called and you know exactly where it's going to be based and all, all that side of things. Uh, do you yeah. reckon there's, there's, uh, there's a cause for concern there? It's too early to say, I think. I think there's definitely some internal battles going on between Congress um, and the Pentagon. I, I like. I just. I just want to see this new office come in. Not after the whole AOIMSG thing needs to go. In my opinion, we need this new office with full oversight and you know regular uh, briefings to the committee members, the Armed Services Committee, and all the other other committees. I think they need their regular briefings because when that happens, we see the politicians talking. I say politicians, you know, the senators and and everything. They talk. They don't necessarily tell us anything but when they talk more people in the public hear it spreads the conversation and that in itself builds momentum for the topic so every little small thing like that i think helps and then obviously you know like i said we'll get a, a public assessment or report end of october 2022 hopefully it's i was gonna say better than the june 25th uh, preliminary assessment but i actually found that quite quite positive i took a lot of good things away from that so if we keep just getting information i you know i'm not expecting to have a massive data dump of disclosure or anything but just positive forward momentum is what i'll be happy with yeah definitely and, and like you said it's it's been um it's been a little while since any kind of leaked footage or you know the, the jeremy corbell things that were coming out at one point right. seemed to be quite regular didn't they and then that sort of yeah. took a back seat it does make you wonder if he's got something brewing doesn't it yeah indeed i'd love yeah and the thing is i know jeremy will be doing due diligence on anything that he has um you know a lot of people we had a lot of people who were disappointed with what he released last year well you know we can't have it all uh, you know when we want it we take what we can and if jeremy puts something out you know he's got data he's got people that, that look into this stuff so i think it's a positive thing so yeah if he drops something else this year uh you know i'm sure it'll be good yeah that's the thing i i think it's like um the the is it the omaha the one with the the drone swarm footage yeah it was probably you know perhaps a little bit underwhelming for some people but you, you can't really expect things to go in a curve of more exciting footage and the next footage is even more exciting it's, it doesn't necessarily right. work that way does it you know yeah that's it it's not multiple data points you know he has he had the images the videos the radar put all that together and you're getting quite a, a good picture of of an event and so i'm all for that i'm really all about data and you know you see people say i won't believe that ufos are real until i see a 4k photograph or video well that's all good in that but i want to see the data i want to see the sensor system data and things like that that's that's what's more compelling for me 
Definitely, which is why I go on and on about the the Nimitz uh, case because that's for me is like the you know the 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 uh, you know the big one sort of thing you know the one Absolutely. that I always always go back to because it's got so many you know credible witnesses it's got everything in that case hasn't it you know all, totally all the data agree. yeah you know and um, yeah I've done many an episode on that to the point where people are messaging me saying like all right move on come on <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's do some other cases but it's yeah it's it's just such an important one um, so while we're on that what what do you think of the uh, the FLIR video, you know, the the object uh, at the end, do you think it does rapidly accelerate or do you think it's some kind of loss of lock? Or... I mean, I'm, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because I'm certainly no expert. I wouldn't even begin to know how to analyse footage like that. So we have to rely on people like we see going back and forth on Twitter about it. If I had to answer, I'd say I'm more leaning towards it accelerating off. Hmm. Um but again, I, I can't put much weight behind that because I don't have the data. I, I, you know, I haven't done that analysis myself. But yeah, it's just from the conversations slash arguments I've seen online, people who have studied it. Yeah, I think it's definitely shows something anomalous, and it's not um, something in the in the pod that's causing that. Like you say, lock being lost or anything like that. And yeah, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I've I've gone back and forth on it, and um, yeah, I think I'm currently of the opinion that it does rapidly accelerate based on right. some some of the other sensor operators. I mean, said that they saw it yeah. move one side of the screen to the other. Um, Chad Underwood says that he he you know he he witnessed it moving rapidly and so on. And I'm kind of more inclined to to believe those points of view than you know perhaps people are analysing things after the fact. You know, those people are actually there at the time. So sure, yeah, it's qu- quite. <laughs> quite a compelling case for me oh, i would have i would have loved to have been there to actually see some of this with my own eyes you know that's that's you know the the, the ultimate goal isn't it but you know i'll keep watching yeah. the skies hopefully see a tic-tac on my own one day <laughs> yeah i'd love that man definitely and the just while you're still on the nimitz it's it's a case that i always go back to as well because in this modern age with so many new faces and figures and conversations being had when people ask me about UFOs and, oh, you, you do UFO stuff, don't you? I'm like, yeah. And then, well, what should I look at? I go, the Nimitz case. That's the first thing. You know, yes, the his- historic aspect of the phenomena is vital if anybody really wants to get into to looking into it. But I always start people off on the Nimitz and say, you can work back to older cases because there's some compelling ones out there. But I just think it's a great starting point for, for new voices in the subject. Yeah, definitely. And th- that was um, a- another thing with the um, a-, a triangle formation of uh, essentially Tic Tacs as well. I, b- I believe Kevin Day witnessed them a few days prior and they were in some kind of V V or triangle type of formation. And I, I can't remember who it was. I have a terrible memory for these little details like this, but there <laughs> was, so- somebody wrote an article about... Um, uh, the potential motivations for what the actual tic tac formation was doing, because it was flying a V formation across, um, you know, across the ocean, and then yeah. when it when it was provoked, one of them broke formation, did some evasive maneuvers. Obviously, the actual tic tac that was witnessed by uh, Fravor and, and all the rest of them, and then eventually went and reformed the V, you know, part of the formation again. It's really intriguing to think what that formation could have actually been trying to do. And it certainly seems to me that that alone is kind of very good evidence that 
it wasn't some kind of natural phenomenon or something like that because a natural phenomenon i can't really can't imagine how it could behave that way you know sure absolutely and i think as well they were tracked for a, you know a week possibly two weeks before the the, the fravor incident and these things were tracked at obviously at heights of you know eighty thousand feet and stuff but also going extremely slow but too slow to be uh, a prosaic explanation like an airplane and something like that so it's the little points like that as well that you know people think well if it's slow then it's just it's not that exciting but it is just as exciting when you think about the speeds and the heights and everything else involved it, it, it builds a bigger picture to prove that it's something genuinely anomalous you know um intelligently intelligently controlled so yeah absolutely fascinating yeah it's a great case but people will be listening to this who listen to the podcast regularly and going oh he's going on about the tic tac again so <laughs> let's move on quick sure, um, sure. but yeah what, what do you think uh, our best chance is going to be to get like good data and and you know possibly new cases and new information in the ufo topic you mentioned earlier you like to focus on the government angle do you think that's the angle that we're going to likely to be getting that kind of thing or do you think it's more civilian groups like your galileo projects and things like that yeah i think being realistic we're probably more likely to get it out of these private civilian institutions you know these groups definitely um i always like to say that say i i keep a good eye on the government side because whether we get more information out of the the the, the private groups the public organizations the government still need to be held accountable for everything they've not told us about for decades and decades. So, you know, even if we get something, say, from Galileo Project and everyone's really happy, we've got new data, new cases, and the government is still over there hiding stuff, you know. They still need to be prodded and stuff like that. So, yeah, it could come from anywhere, really, couldn't it? I just, yeah. Yeah, I think it all has a knock-on effect as well, doesn't it? Because, like, the more comes out through these private groups the more pressure there then is on on the government and yeah. likewise perhaps the more the government actually admits to or the more they're willing to be more transparent then these yeah. private groups are more likely to get more support and funding from the public so it's uh yeah it kind of seems like there's a lot of really interesting things going on at the moment there are a lot of things yeah, to keep I your eye on I should say as well, when I use it, I don't like using the term government, to be honest, and I should really mm. correct myself because it's not just this big umbrella government. It's small, very small, small compartmentalized annexes within the kind of gray space between you know, private aerospace and, you know, small little annexes within the DOD possibly and DOE and these kind of areas that have had very little oversight in the past. So I, I, I should really just say that because I, I don't like lumping the whole government under the same banner because it's certainly not that way. Yeah, no, I abso absolutely agree. I, I uh, always try and make the same distinction, but obviously the terminology is difficult sometimes, isn't it? You end up, <laughs> yeah. just, you end up just using those. Uh, but like you say, there's there's a lot of people within like government. Is I don't know how many people, but it's, it's probably tens of thousands in the States, isn't it? The people that are involved probably mill i think if you look at a, i think i actually googled it a while back like how many people work for the government and i think it was in the millions you know when you really break it down and trickle it down to the small janitor roles and cleaners and stuff you know adds adds up so you know people with any power i, w I wouldn't know to be honest but there's a lot yeah and i think that's um, a, a very important distinction as well because like if you get somebody coming out saying, oh, I used to work for the government and I've got all this information about UFOs, it's like, yeah, but 
what did he do within the government? <laughs> because there's so many people that work for the government. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's that's the, the key thing, isn't it? I mean, somebody like Lou or, or Chris Mellon, they've actually really been in positions to directly look into this topic on behalf Absolutely. of the government, which is very different to somebody who maybe, you know, did, did paperwork in an office somewhere or something like that. You know, not that Absolutely. some people yeah. don't have a valid viewpoint, but it's very different to having that direct, you know, hands-on experience, isn't it? Right, yeah. That's it, you know. But yeah, it's uh, also worth considering about the tensions in the world as well. Like, I don't really veer into politics too much, but how do you think things like, um, you know, the current situation with Russia and Ukraine and, and China and Taiwan and things like that, how do you think that could affect the way that things progress with the UFO topic this year? It could actually... I, I get, I'm someone I don't really try and mix the two either, but mm. I think it might, it might have a negative effect on the UFO subject because, you know, the DOD, the Pentagon and all the, those kind of aspects of the government will be focusing on what's happening over there. They're not going to be sort of sat around going, oh, well, let's, let's look into this UFO stuff some more. Let's, let's consider this or consider that. So much focus is going to be taken away from it with these big things that are happening in the world that it may just delay it a bit longer, which, you know, is okay. But yeah, I think that's the effect it would have for me. I don't necessarily think it would have a positive effect. But then, you know, I haven't really sat down and thought about it. If I did for long enough, maybe I'd find some positive in there somewhere that it could, you know, do something for the, the community. But I just, I don't see it off the top of my head. Yeah, I think it's just that danger of the more kind of um, imminent conflicts and really serious situations there is, the, the, you know, the less the less time people are going to want to look into things that are not as immediate, you know what I mean? And yeah, I suppose the, the, the only positive I can think of is the thing of, um, you know, it's, it's the one thing that really could unite everybody, isn't it? If it turns out that the, you know, let's say the Galileo project come up with some irrefutable proof that there is some technologies operating in the sky, it really is the one thing that could unite Maybe that's me just being a bit optimistic and naive, but, you know, like Russia, China, we could all unite to try and figure that thing out, you know, and it could actually avert some uh, some impending bad situations. But like I say, maybe. Yeah. No, no, I think you, it's good to be optimistic. I, I'm, I'm always quite optimistic uh, in life in general. So I think that's a good thing. I think what the only thing I'd say about that and the unification of countries and stuff is that it might take a long time to really see anything happen, you know, where these people come together and actually do figure something out. I think the, the time scales are a lot bigger than some people probably think, which is good, you know, as long as it averts impending doom, then take all the time they want. <laughs> but yeah, I just think it'll be a big, long waiting game. That's all. But again, just my opinion. No, yeah, it's, it's definitely true. I'm just going to hope that we you know, like I say, if, if this uh, if there is actually irrefutable proof that comes along, let's hope that it happens before we all blow each other up, eh? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? That's the important bit, definitely. Yeah, it's Lou Elizondo always says it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, I believe is the phrase. That's and, it. Uh, yep. That, that's the one, isn't it? What definitely. do you think of the the concept of the sort of like slow drip disclosure effort coming from within certain people within the government i've heard a few people mention that recently and you know even how the james webb telescope may actually be part of that like the, the certain people have, have actually pushed for that to happen so that they can look for something that they already know is there and things like that do you think there's any any truth to that i mean there could be truth to so many things i certainly wouldn't say it's not possible 
course it could be possible so you know it's just how much weight do you put behind it and do you spend time trying to research into finding any more information on about that particular theory and that's that's where the conundrum comes up sometimes it's like how much time do you spend on on, a, on an idea or a, hypo, a, a hypothesis or theory um I, you know are you going to spend a long time to, for it only to be completely wasted that's that's kind of the, 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 the dilemma i have a lot when looking into things but yeah certainly possibilities you know yeah yeah it's it's i i tend to steer clear of the sort of like um you know the the conspiracies yeah um, obviously the, there is i i i would suggest sort of like um you know an irrefutable cover up in place by the government they've they've definitely covered up certain things but yeah you know i don't think it's necessarily as sort of in depth as what as what some people assume and and i would say the same about the um the slow drip disclosure thing like you know the the concept that the government you know again people within a certain yeah. departments <laughs> of the government um you know know everything you know they're in communication with extraterrestrials and they've they've been working gradually over the last decades to slowly you know accustom the uh, the, the public to it it just seems that that's that's probably a bit far fetched and it's more likely that they haven't figured it out either they've perhaps got bits of craft or you know they, they've certainly got footage and data but yeah that seems most likely to me that, that they don't exactly know the, the full scale of what's going on but they're definitely taking it a lot more seriously than than what they let on yeah i would subscribe to that a bit more than any of the other theories for, for sure I, I don't believe that they've nailed it and cracked it and are just sitting on it hiding it away i think it would have come out by now but again speculation you know it's a lot of the data and information and stuff is based on stories and he said and one person's word from decades ago and you know it's very easy to believe things when you kind of want to and you want them to be real and i just have to really remember that yeah listen to it take it all in put it on the table along with everything else keep it there until we can take it off the table with proof you know and that's kind of how i have learned to look at things because there are so many parts of the subject that I would love that to be true and this to be true, but I've got to look at it properly, you know, from a, with a good, honest perspective. Yeah, ex- exactly, man. And that's that's why, you know, I, I respect what you do, the way you look into things and, and also, you know, the wider picture, UAP Media UK, you know, it, it's really important to build up that, that credibility where people you know trust what you're saying that you have looked into things properly so if if you know yourself or any of the other guys in uap media uk mention something you can go oh, okay this is probably worth really having a good look at you know it's dead important these days more than ever i suppose to do that due diligence isn't it in any oh, any cases you cover yeah i would never say to someone you've got to believe what i say because i know i don't know nobody knows but you know i'll explain as to why i believe something over something else because i've looked at this and that but what i always would would say to people is like this is my belief because of this i highly recommend you go and look into it for yourself then you only have yourself to form opinions and you're not taking other people's words for things i think that's really important yeah definitely again i can't remember who said this (laughs) but but i'm sorry whoever it is who said it um but (laughs) I, i remember somebody saying something like um you want to be putting the pieces of a puzzle together rather than sort of like building a house of cards. 
Because yeah. obviously, if you're building a house of cards, it all depends on the bottom layers. And if something in the bottom layer turned out not to be right, everything collapses. Whereas yeah. if you if you're doing it more like imagine like a puzzle, you can rearrange things, take pieces out, and so on. That's exactly. that's that's how I try to do it anyway, as, as best I can in my own yeah, way. A good good analogy, definitely makes makes a lot of sense. But, yeah. but yes, the the UK side of things, the the UK government obviously have been pretty notoriously reluctant to even have conversations about the the UFO topic with, with yeah. the public. How do you feel like that's going to progress in the UK? especially bearing in mind the way it is around the world now. Yeah, I think I won't talk, I can't, and I shouldn't talk for the whole of UAP Media UK, but I think 2022 for us as a group, we're going to be trying to form more connections with mainstream media, you know, reputable outlets where we can sort of get this, the message out there more to the public through the media. I think that will put pressure on the government. Um, also with, um, you know, if you go on the UAP Media website, we've had like letter templates, for a while where people can contact you know their local officials and stuff uh, very similar to what's been done in the US in the past year with the big phone home and initiatives like that um, I think we've actually got a new letter due to drop on the on the UAP media website in the very near future I think in the next week or two so I, you know I'd, I'd always say for, to people go and check that out it's at uapmedia.uk um, and it's just a great place to go and see what you can do as a, uh, a person in the UK to help, you know, spread the word and make, make contact with representatives and officials. I think it, it's going to take things like that to just keep piling on the pressure because, you know, it just takes a few minds to be changed somewhere within, within the UK government that they might start talking, hopefully. Yeah, I think it's been a, a real important thing that uh, you guys have been doing with UAP Media UK of kind of um, acting as a sort of, what's the word, like a, an advisor or a bit of a consultant for some of the, the media outlets. Like I believe The Sun uh, mm. have contacted you a few times and things like that. It's so important to get like, you know, those those publications when they are covering this topic to be well informed yeah. isn't it and that's where you guys come in i guess of helping them to get the facts right absolutely i mean we, we you know we speak to people a bit more in the tabloids but you've got to start somewhere and there's some good journalists working for these tabloids you know you hear it all the time people say oh if it's in the sun you can't believe it well this is why we want to change things like that we want to give the reporters the good information so that they can report on the facts that we know with regards to to what the story may be about. Uh, and then, you know, have quotes from some of the guys in UAP Media in the article. So whoever reads it is getting, you know, the data as it. It's not twisted. It's not hyped. It's not X-filed, you know, embellished or anything. It's real information coming from credible sources. I think that's vital, you know. Our, our, our aim is to go to the, you know, the... the the bigger newspapers, let's say, the more reputable ones. But like I said, we've got to start somewhere. We've got to engage with these journalists and and also let them know that it's okay to report on the subject. You know, it's not they're not going to get the ridicule from from us or I think the public want to. You know, you look at these stories and the numbers that they get. The, the UFO stories get so many views and readers and things. So I think it's time that it just you know got accepted a bit more. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And I think it's um, the the appetite amongst the public is definitely there. And and sometimes people can just be put off by, like you say, the X-Files music. People switch off straight away. They think, oh, this is one of those comedy stories I don't need to pay attention to. And yeah. the more 
good articles with proper information, you know, that, that get into the, like you say, the tabloids and then hopefully eventually the, some of the other newspapers and, and things like that as well over the years. The more of that that, that happens, the better. You know, it's, it's got to help get the, the tone, hasn't it? And I think when it comes to reporters, like I, I know this from my point of view when I first really started digging in, especially when I started the podcast, when you're actually talking about these things and people are going to be listening to it, it's a pretty complex topic, really. I mean, the, oh, yeah. the all the different characters and the different nuances and, you know, like all the various names that you have to get to know, or, you know, the various ex-CIA and DIA, whoever it might be. Yeah. I think sometimes the reporters might want to get into it, but they might actually be put off by the fact that there's so much to get your head around, you know. Definitely, yeah. And that's why we want to be that conduit where they can come to us for that, that information. So they're not going to guess or be vague that we want it to be precise clear information that the public are getting you know all we need now is just some good less clickbaity kind of headlines you know because it's it's great having the body of the of an article with good information but if the the heading is alien hunters this and things like that it's that's what we struggle with i mean i say we i struggle with that and like I said, I don't want to speak on behalf of everyone else in UAP media, but I think there's a general consensus that that needs to change. But I think it will in time. Yeah, it's gradually changing, isn't it? I think as, as time goes along. Yeah. Well, that basically, mate, is about all we've got time for. So it's been an absolute pleasure having a conversation with you. It kind of flew by that, to be fair. That but... did. That really flew by. That's a good sign, man. I like yeah. that. <laughs> if you just uh, don't mind, could you just let the listeners know where they can find you on your social media and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, like, like I said earlier, my main outlet is Instagram, and you can find me at disclosure underscore team. But I am very active on Twitter as well, and that is disclosure team underscore. Uh, then my YouTube channel, just look up disclosure team. Um, but it's all linked across my socials and that. You, you won't miss it. So, yeah, it'd be great. Come and talk to me, have conversations. I'm always up for speaking to anybody. Just uh, keep it polite. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Well, thanks a lot, man. Frank, thank you so much, my friend. UFO Thinker Podcast.